Hello, and welcome to the We're Not Stump podcast. I'm your host, Mike Boland, and I'm a congenital amputee of the right hand. In this show, I will interview other amputees and allow them to tell you their incredible life stories. I'll also feature family members of amputees and others who support the amputee community, all in an effort to discuss the challenges and triumphs of those living with limb loss. So stick around and listen to inspirational stories and find out why we say we're not stumped. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the We're Not Stumped podcast. I'm your host, Mike Boland. And I just had about a five minute, well, actually, maybe a 25 minute conversation with my next guest. I'm so excited to have this guest on. This guest is probably the closest to me of any guest I've ever had on this podcast. And that guest is Angie Sando. Angie, thank you so much for being on the We're Not Stumped podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> well, a little bit about you. As a result of being born with various birth defects, most noticeable is missing a right hand like me and a limb difference. You were often seen as different, but that hasn't stopped you. And we talked quite a bit. And this is why it's going to be so fun to get into the story. You're in a band, you ride a motorcycle, you're a cancer survivor. There's so much to your story and I can't wait to hear about it. But we always start the podcast with a segment called In Your Own Words. So I'd love to hear your story. Okay, well, thank you. And that's, it's great to be here. Um, so let's see, I was uh, born in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Never been a Habs fan for those of you that like hockey. And <laughs> you weren't a Habs fan. It was too easy because everybody was a Habs fan. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was born with a variety of what they called back then birth defects. And the most noticeable of which was the limb difference of my right hand. Um, but I was always encouraged to do whatever I set my mind to. Um, I had a sister. I still have a sister who's, uh, I say 15 years. She'll say 14 and a half years older than me. And my parents were from totally different generations than me. My dad was born in 1919, uh, and uh, dad had a presence, uh, very opinionated, impatient at times. Sorry, it's true, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't patient. I'm very determined, very determined. Um, nothing could stop dad. And mom was born in 1924, uh, and mom was very sociable, uh, could talk to anybody, was always laughing and joking. Both of them loved music. Um, so I was born in the sixties, so quite an age difference there. Um, and from the time I was little, my mom used to tell me I would roll instead of crawl because I was impatient. Jeez, I wonder where I got that from. And I just wanted to get from point A to point B. So I got the best of both. I got, you know, I'm, I'm determined. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm confident and I very social. Um, so I got the best of, of, of both of them. Um, and there was always music in the house. So I would always hear music. I love music from the time I was a little girl, all, all different kinds of music. But the one thing I never saw myself as different. I never saw myself as different. So my, with my family and, and social gatherings with the family, the, the, I didn't feel different. Nobody looked at me as different. Um, I was always encouraged to do anything that I set my mind to. The first time I ever felt different was when I started going on errands with my parents. And you go on errands and now you get, you know, kids looking at you and, and I mean, what happened to that kid and what's wrong with that kid. And, and, you know, I, I look back, even then, I think I understood nobody meant to be rude or, you know, but I think people didn't know how to handle it. And, and I, sometimes even in a grocery store, I'd see parents covering their kids' eyes and turning them away. Shh, don't look or don't say anything. And, and it, it kind of made me feel a little down, but then I would just forget about it. You're a kid, you go home and you, you, you just do the stuff that you did. So 
my dad always, he got me into sports. We, we would sit around and watch sports. We watched football and hockey and baseball. And that got me really into those sports. Uh, so then you're labeled, you're a tomboy, right? And I, I always hated labels. I'm, I'm a girl that likes sports. However, when I went out for Halloween and I dressed up as Batman as a little girl, <laughs> and I went to a lady's house and I trick or treat. And she goes, oh, you're such a cute little bat girl. And I said, I am Batman. You know, so I always <laughs> have to be true to whatever. Very nice. She's giving me candy. I'm telling her off as a little girl. Um, but starting school, um, I, I, that was a little bit different because kids see you as, as different. And uh, the first thing I heard was, Hey kid, what's wrong with you? And I was, I was always encouraged to just share my story, whether the kids wanted to hear it or not. And I would tell a little bit more than I think they even understood at that time. Cause I would say, well, that was born like this and that makes me special. And, you know, I also have a right breast that's not going to develop. And they didn't understand what that meant. And I didn't understand what that meant, but I, I would, and then after a while you're accepted, you know, the kids would accept me. Um, I got a, a, a prosthetic when I was about five and I, 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 the only thing I liked about it was the fitting, the fitting process was fun because I was the center of attention and I got that from <laughs> dad. <laughs> so I loved it. The doctor saying, how does your hand work? Can you push? Can you pull? What's your strength? And then they fit me and everything's about me and it was great. And then I realized it's a hook with an elastic band and then, yeah. and everything that I could do in school, like play with building blocks and stuff I, I couldn't do anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should take a step back when I was born, I wasn't just born like this. My hand was bent. So, yeah. So my, my, my elbow was bent and my, what would have been my wrist, it, that was bent too. And it touched my, my muscle. Oh, wow. Okay. So I had surgery before I started school to straighten, to straighten it. And, um, you know, people take things for granted, right? Like cutting food, tying your shoes, holding a hairdryer, things like that. Well, I couldn't do anything like that. And the word can't never existed in my vocabulary. So after the surgery, I mean, that was great. Um, but now back in the kindergarten, when I got this prosthetic, I'm seen as different again. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I really had to, um, I guess, influence my peers that I could still participate and do things. Because sometimes it was hard just to get included in, in, in activities. Um, but uh, I did become a bit of a bully because I, the kids were making fun of me all over again. And I, I hated it. And I got angry and I started hitting them with it and the thing was not right i mean right it was metal um you know and back in the day right you put you you put this your your hand in this this thing and you go around and the harness underneath and right and you push just open and close thing um then they got me a hand and all it did was go like this and but i looked like everybody else but my my parents are just trying to get me something that would help me they wanted me to be the most you know uh, effective possible but i had a conversation with the principal my mother one day and the principal said why are you hitting your peers and i'm saying because they're calling me names and they're making fun of me and they're calling me mechanical hand (laughs) and he said very nicely i'll never forget it but aren't you in a way a mechanical hand and he helped me see things from a different perspective um and you know my parents were always trying to teach me and he reinforced it you're never going to be able to control what other people say or what other people how they view you you, or their emotions you're only going to be able to control you and that's something that i've tried to remember my whole life so you know again now you're growing up and and uh i'm i'm i got rid of the prosthetic like i said that happened in kindergarten too so now i'm i'm just going and being me and uh, when i was a young teen i got into uh, rock and roll big time because my sister, she had all these records 
And if she ever watches it, I will, I will come up with a story. Because I told her when I was little, I didn't touch your records. I didn't do this. I didn't <laughs> touch your records. <laughs> and and I, I would go through them and I saw, all it took was Led Zeppelin to see the back of Led Zeppelin one. And I saw the pictures on the back and I saw Jimmy Page, you know, the time the lead guitarist for Led Zeppelin. And I don't know what it did, but there was something there that um, it just resonated with me. Yeah. And uh, I did, I, I, I was involved in music in school. Uh, I played the recorder, you know, as a kid and I hated that thing. I hated it. <laughs> I say it only takes one. And it was that teacher, Mario Duchesne. And, and, and he just really helped take music to another level for me, you know, not just listening to it, but inspiring me to be part of a group and that you can, you can read. It's another language. Uh, but I hated the recorder so much that I used to say to him, but Mr. Duchesne, Eventually, we're going to have to use two hands to play pieces. I won't be able to do that anymore because I don't use the word can't. And he said, oh, yeah, he says, you're, you're still going to participate. You're going to play the xylophone. And it was the best thing he ever did for me because when I, I had the xylophone and I had to practice, I started coming up with my own tunes as well. And the first thing I ever taught myself by ear was a theme to all in the family. That's how oh, very nice. <laughs> proud of myself. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. But, you know, with the guitar. Um, yeah, so I went, really wanted to play guitar and, uh, my parents got me this, the cheapest model. Cause they didn't know if I'd stick with it. Yeah. And I still have, this was my first, this was my first prosthetic that I, I liked. So this was like for the guitar and, uh, it, 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 yeah, it's plastic and whatever. And did you make that was, yourself? Did you make no, that yourself? I had this made at this place called the rehab that in Montreal that actually okay. made my original prosthetic. And they thought nice. that this metal piece here could be used as a pick. Oh, it couldn't so it was we got to clamp and we just clamped the pick on there and i used this into my 20s um but then when i started doing live gigs it actually started to melt a little bit so <laughs> i'll show some others later but so i i you know playing guitar was a good good escape for me uh and i started because of jimmy page i continued because of angus young and acdc and uh uh, I played E flat horn in music in school in high school that nobody knows what an E flat horn is, but I played it and I was good at it. <laughs> That's awesome. But the thing is with that, um, I wanted to play the French horn and my teacher who was a great teacher, he was fantastic, but he wouldn't let me play it because he said, you won't be able to muffle, you know, mm. the sound, you have to muffle the sound. And I said, well, I'm sure we can come up with something. Um, no. So that did it. I quit the band. And I, I quit the school band because he wouldn't work with me. To, and, and again, I have no ill, Ill feelings toward him, he, he, but don't tell me that I can't because I'll find a way. So we moved uh, when I was around uh, 19 years old. We moved to out, outside of Toronto, Ontario. <laughs> no, I'm not a Maple Leafs fan either. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My husband is, but uh, yeah. So when we moved here, it, um, it's time now to try and get employment. And that was not easy because now you're looking at it, it's the early eighties. Um, there was a lot of judging based on, 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 on how you look and yes. other people face it too. But for me, it was, it was, you know, I, I, I went to apply for anything, anything. Um, and I applied for, to be a barista at a coffee kiosk in the early eighties. And I, I, I wouldn't even make food at home. I wouldn't clean anything at home. I was <laughs> a brat, you know, but here now I'm going to be a barista. And I, I, I had an interview with the owner's wife. We're sitting, it's in the mall. We had a really nice conversation and she actually said, you know, why don't you come in the next day? You'll meet my husband and, and we'd like to hire you. Great. Next day I show up early. I'm all gung ho and everything. And the first thing I see is, you know, he comes to me and I get a look and I knew that look. Oh, you, yeah. Interviews, yeah. you know, the look, yeah. I saw the look, 
my heart sank and uh, it was just, this isn't going to work. And, and, I, and I'm saying, well, what would you like me to do? I, I can clean. I can, I can, do you want me to make some hot water for tea? What would you like me to do? You know, he said, wait here. And there was a payphone a few steps away and I could hear him. Cause you know, there's no cell phones back then. It's the eighties. And I could hear him talking to his wife and said, why did you hire her? You know, what is she going to do? She, she's not going to be able to do anything here. Um, and right. I felt, you know, really, yeah. I could probably do more than you, but I, I, I just felt so I, I'm, I'm in my early twenties and I just felt I was angry and I was hurt and I hated myself and I, I hate this. And I said, it's you, it's you, you know, I, I, I just hated everything. And then my dad walks into the mall because he wants to see me at work early twenties. I started crying and I wasn't a crier. I ran to my father. I said, dad, he doesn't want me here. And my dad looked at him and he said, I'm taking my daughter home. He looked so relieved, you know, and, and out we went. So I went to my then boyfriend's place later and I said, Lloyd, I, I had a terrible day. And I told him what happened. So he made a phone call. And back then they answered the phone. Big mistake. So they had this conversation and then Lloyd hangs up and I said, so what do you say? What do you say? you really want me to tell you what he said? I said, yeah. He said, you should be hidden behind a desk somewhere that people don't need to see someone like you. And he said, don't get mad. I said, I'm not mad. I said, it's firing me up. I said, it's firing Good. me up. I will never allow anyone to dictate what I can and cannot do or make decisions for me. I said, this guy, if he, if he controlled everything that is impacting my whole career. Right. I said, and I'm never going to forget him. And every time I achieve something, I'm thinking of him and I'm going to thank him in my head. And that's what I did. I mean, it took a while to find a job. I mean, back then, you know, you prepare the resumes, you're, you're mailing things, you might get a phone call. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of interviews, but finally, I, you know, again, I, I believe it takes one and it took one gentleman to have faith in me and he hired me as a data entry clerk. Uh, and that was the beginning of a long career. But with him, there was a story that, <laughs> you know, back then he used to have invoices. They were paper. Yes. And you filed them in these boxes and it was a pain. You know, if you had to get a copy of an invoice, everything was manual and you'd have to go through this thing, <laughs> make a copy, put it back where it was supposed to go. So a lot of people just put them in a tray and hope somebody else would do it. I got caught and I get the controller who hired me saying, you know, now, because in corporate, I was Angela. So Angela, you told me that you can do anything. And I said, yeah, I told you that. I said, but you have two hands. Can you play guitar? <laughs> that's awesome you know what's interesting about that story too your original story about the woman the wife who hired you and then the husband who uh, was a jerk if you don't mind me saying it. i'm sure you don't mind me saying it that way in life and, and you illustrated this so well you could either be the light in someone's life or you can be the darkness and I hope people from that story choose to be the light in someone's life because I, I've had very similar situations and it is crushing. So thank you so much for sharing that story. It's an important no. story. But you see, I believe there's always a positive. I do too. And sometimes it's really hard to find it. Sometimes it's hard, you know, but I still see, yeah, he was an idiot. Um, <laughs> but he helped me. Because he did, he, he, he just made me stronger. And, 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 you know, I, 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 again, I started off as a data entry clerk because of someone that had faith in me. Uh, most of my managers were, were fantastic. I mean, there's another one. He was just an idiot just because he was an idiot. I, yeah. you know, he, but I learned from him too. I learned what not to do yes. and how not to behave. And, and over yes. about 
ooh, 30 years, 25, 30 years. I mean, I, I was behind a desk, but I was never hidden. I mean, I work in finance. I, I, I managed all forms of order to cash. I, I had big teams, small teams. Um, I traveled. Uh, once I got going and started building up my confidence, my resume spoke for myself. And I spoke for myself and people stopped seeing this because yeah. I truly believe that people see what they want to see when it's convenient for them. You know, since you worked at Corporate America, I have a question for you. So you go to these meetings and you have a vendor come in and then you go around the room and you go to shake their hand. How, how did that work for you? Because I know how it worked for me. Well, my father always used to say, shake with your right hand. He always used to say that to me. And I said, Dad, I can't because, well, I choose not to. Sure. It doesn't exist. I said, because it makes other people feel That's uncomfortable. A, you're exactly right. Yeah. I said, so what I did was I always put out my left hand. Yeah. And that sometimes make people uncomfortable too. And, and, and one guy would say, oh yeah, Boy Scout handshake, right? Yeah. Um, but sometimes people would go like this or whatever, or I whatever. But I, I just felt sometimes putting this out, people would just seem uncomfortable. And it's weird because I had a crush on this guy when I was a teenager. And I realized after we were, you know, we were outside and yakking away and everything, he was afraid of me touching him with his hand. So I chased him. I chased him. <laughs> I teenagers. I remember chasing him around a tree and I said, I'm going to touch you. And you know what? You're not going to melt. I said, and if you do melt, I'm a millionaire because I got superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your, your uh, Boy Scout handshake, that reminds me is I, I owned a, the relationship of my former employer with Salesforce. And there was a gentleman that always said that. And it's like, hey, I don't mind hearing it the first 18 times you say it, but it's getting a little old now. It's, we're good on the Boy Scout handshake. Just go ahead and let me. But it's, you know, the nice thing is when we, you and I meet, we get to shake left-handed and do it officially. That's it. So that's yeah. kind of nice. <laughs> you know, I want to go back in time a little bit though with you because since our stories are so similar, for those of you who are listening and not watching, we were both born without a right hand. And we're both born around the same time. So we were very, uh, it was a surprise to our family. There's no ultrasounds, right? So did your sh family, your mom and dad ever share the, the, the day of your birth, the story of how they found out, what their thoughts were? Is there anything you can share on that? My, my mom used to tell me a story because I have no pectoral muscle either on the right-hand side. And she said that when the doctor picked me up, he nearly dropped me because there was no muscle. And, and they didn't know that yet, um, but she used to tell me it was it was the greatest day of her life um, when I came into her life. Of course, my sister was also the greatest thing. <laughs> she never mentioned anything about any. I, I mean, I was never called. I hate the word disabled for me. Mm -hmm. For me, I hate no. that word. I always Fine. have to say for me. Um, but I hate that word because it basically says, you know, you're unable to perform certain tasks. And, and I, I can... I always looked at it say, I can do whatever uh, people with two hands to or, or all their limbs sometimes can't accomplish certain things. And that doesn't mean that they're disabled. Right. Yes. Uh, but I, 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 she never ever mentioned anything. Uh, I mean, she was always very happy. Never, you know, we never really talked about it. It was just, no, it was just, I mean, it was just, how can I accomplish stuff, mom? Yes. <laughs> she, it was just, mom didn't want me to do certain things because she didn't want me to get hurt. So she didn't want me to play football. She didn't want me to play hockey. And, you know, she didn't want me to play with the boys because she didn't want me to get hurt. I wanted, I wanted to get hurt because the way I looked at it was if I get hurt playing hockey, that means I had a good day. <laughs> they took a real hard slap shot on me. So some yeah. street cred, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How was it growing up in your 20 or your, your, I should say 20, your teens. So you're, you're in high school. Was that more, more of the same, everything good, pretty much? I think preteens was really hard for me because I, I mentioned I only had one breast that developed. 
So now one side's starting to grow. The other side's not growing. Now it's not the hand anymore in the arm because people, they know me already. Now it's what's going on with you. And, and, and I remember I'd come up with, well, you know what? I developed differently. So the right side's going to develop later. But, you know, at that age, you know, now everything's starting to wake up and all that. And I used to go home sometimes and cry and say, you know, nobody's going to like me. I'm never going to get a boyfriend. And, um, and again, I was different in another way. I wasn't a so-called girly girl because I love sports. So I was always wearing football jerseys and on all that. Stuff. And that didn't, I didn't think I'd ever have to dress up to, to you know, uh, to meet somebody, but it was more, I'm so different that who's going to even like me. And, and there were times at night that I used to, <laughs> I, I used to trip before I went to bed, because <clears throat> I do have a nipple on that side. And I used to pull it and, and think maybe this will help it grow. Maybe this will help it grow, you know? And uh, so that was really tough. And, and my mom took me to get fitted for a prosthetic um, on the right side. And I, I, I remember getting fitted for that prosthetic. And I hated that too, because the woman that fit me so it's the first time you're a preteen, you're in a bra and I didn't want to wear a bra because I wanted to be like the guys. And I didn't want, you know, you're going through all these different thoughts. I don't want to be seen as different. And if I wear this, now they're going to let me, they're not going to let me play sports. You know, they'll see me more as a girl. Um, but she stood in front of me, the lady that was, that fitted me and she put a sweater around me, you know, to say, look how even you are on both sides. And I said, I don't, I'm never going to wear a tight sweater. I don't care. Like, yes, that's a whole weird experience, but you know, it, 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 that was tough. Uh, the rest of it going through school, I look back and, you know, I was, I was in like heavy music and I loved kiss and, uh, I would always dress up as Gene Simmons and, <laughs> and he was my guy and I loved Zeppelin. So I would dress up as Jimmy Page. And I would have the hair and I squint my eyes, even though I didn't know why he squinted his eyes, but you know, I wasn't taking drugs or anything where he was, but I just squinted my eyes because I want to look like Jimmy Page. And I look back and I said, sometimes, and, and I loved ACDC. So, I mean, I got an Angus Young suit, the schoolboy suit made and, you know, and I look back and I think, did I sometimes dress up because I wanted to be seen as a whole mm. person as opposed to somebody focusing on something that made me look different? Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing some of the more intimate areas of your journey because those are things I didn't have to go through but I will say this I think anyone that is like us their right side does develop much differently and that's yeah you know, even with me to this day I look at it and I, I try to work out and my arms will never be even you know and same with here it'll never be it'll never be even but um, it, when you look back at that time and there's gonna be people that are listening both maybe parents and people going through the same journey that you went through is there any, anything you can impart to them that may help them, that helped you through your journey that you can share with them? Be you, you know, be you, be yourself. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter if, it, if you have a limb difference or you look the same as everybody else or whatever it is, be true to you, be yourself. And yes, no matter what you do, there's going to be someone that doesn't like you. There's going to be someone that makes fun of you. Even when you get older, we, we tend to change and we tend not to, you know, um, <laughs> Someone might laugh at you. You might get excluded from something and, and everything else. But I, I, I really used all that to make myself stronger. And, you know, there is one thing that I, I, I mentioned I had become a bully and I actually became a bully twice. Um, you know, the first time was in, in, in kindergarten and the second time was in, uh, I, I think around grade five or six. So just before I went into high school and, you know, it, it was just, 
the name calling, you know, and you're always going to have some kids, no matter what you look like, and people and adults, then sure. no matter what you look like, they're going to focus in on you. Your hair's not the right color. Your eyes crooked. You're this, you that, you like this. I don't like that. There's, especially in today's world, there's, there's always going to be something. Yeah. Uh, but the important thing is to try and find that strength from within. And and I came out of it again. And I, I, I this is one of the reasons I share my story. It, it, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes. And we don't all have that positive network around us. Yeah. Uh, but it's so important to focus on you and and try and remove that negativity by focusing on the things that you enjoy that make you feel good. And and that's what I did with with school. It was I loved history. I I, I hated math, but I, I I you know I I but I really loved history and I excelled in that. But the music, the music is what helped me uh, at that age get through a lot of the stuff. Because then when you're talking to certain kids that even don't like you, all of a sudden they like you because you like the same thing. So if you can find a connection, whatever that connection is, but remember it's not going to help you with everybody, and we're sure. all like that, right? Yes, so absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, spending the time that I have with you so far, I can't imagine anyone not liking you. This It's been so fun. We're like, we're like brothers and sisters here or something. I don't know, but I mean that in a good way. Although I, I appreciate my, that. Yeah. My brothers and sister, I have one brother and one sister. We always got along real well. But you brought up, you did bring up music a few times already. So I want to talk about Lefty and the Goons because that's your band right now. And you do, oh, yeah. you perform all over. And it's awesome. I, I don't want to give it away because you play an instrument. Let, let, let's talk a little bit about that and tell that story. Well, um, before Lefty and the Goons, you know, I, I mentioned ACDC and I loved ACDC. Um, and I had the good fortune to meet them uh, a few times. And the first time I, I, so you see, if I listened to that guy, I should be hidden behind a desk somewhere. None of this ever would have happened. Right. Sure. So that's why I thank him for that, you know. Um, and the first time I met them was in a, a, a bar, actually, in St. Catharines, Ontario, in Canada. They were doing a promotion for their album, Stiff Upper Lip. And um, I was dressed in my suit and everything and uh, meeting Angus. Uh, I always looked at Angus. He always inspired me because he's a little guy and and he has small hands. And the things that he was doing, it just it, it blew me away. And I knew about ACDC in the 70s before a lot in North America because I had a pen pal. Yes, we used to write letters to each other in Australia. <laughs> Um, so she got me into them and meeting him, uh, I asked him cause I did play guitar at the time. And I said, could you teach me thunderstruck? And after he said, well, I got this thing to do, you know, and they're doing an interview and everything. And after that, uh, he was on one side of me and Malcolm Young was on the other side of me and they taught me thunderstruck. And I, I tried to learn it from tab cause tab is a way, you know, you read music for guitar and I was getting it, but I, I just had to be shown. And I went home and the next day I was playing, uh, thunderstruck, but after their interview that day, there was an ACDC tribute band that played. And I'm a hypocrite because I hate tribute bands. Mm -hmm. But I said to my husband at the time, who was Lloyd, uh, I said, Lloyd, I can do that. I can play Angus. I can play guitar and do Angus. And you know what? If we form an ACDC tribute band, I can demonstrate to people what you can accomplish. Um, so we went away and time went on. We formed an ACDC tribute band and it was called Bear Rump. And I called it Bear Rump because Angus used to pull moons. <laughs> <laughs> so we did it just for fun and uh i had a different prosthetic made so it's it's this one and so this one just slips on uh my hand like this and it holds the pick so it's kind of like a light metal is that the one you currently use now yeah, this is what i use now okay and i put tape around it because i like it really tight um <laughs> and we we played oh we'd had that band for you know, 15 16 years we went through some you know personnel changes uh 
but we actually had at our peak, we had a female singer. And it's funny because some members of the band didn't want a female singer. And why don't you want a female singer? Well, you know, it's ACDC. They don't have a female singer. Well, they don't have a female Angus either. So, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, and, and, and we rock, we did about 50 shows a year and we were working at the same time and we just played around Ontario and Canada. Um, But I met so many people uh, that inspired me with their stories because they felt comfortable sharing because they saw how I played. And after a time, it was like, you know what? <laughs> I've done Angus for 17 years. <laughs> I'm not, I want to move on. I want to do something else, uh, you know? And, and so I wanted to start singing. Um, and I started singing in the, you know, and I love Stone Temple Pilots. And we had a Stone Temple Pilot tribute band. Remember I said I don't like tribute bands, right? See, what, that's a hypocrite. <laughs> but I did it because I, I, I thought I'm dem- even singing. I'm demonstrating. Look at me. I front the band and, and I'm, I look different so yes we can we be we can be out there and we shouldn't be hidden we're like everybody else um and that was really cool but then i wanted to start doing some other stuff so lefty and the goons was born in uh 2014 um to do fundraiser um and that's the band now so my husband plays drums and there's me and i sing and i play guitar uh, every so often and we have another guitar player and a bass player and uh yeah, the way, and that's funny where the name came from because uh, we were playing with a fellow and he said, uh, ah, we're all a bunch of goons, you know? I said, yeah, you guys are goons. I said, I'm not a goon. I said, and you know, everybody calls me lefty, so lefty and the goons, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that everybody calling us lefty, that's that's for sure. It's, it, it, yeah, it, everyone does it. It's not that original, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I still laugh, people. If people want to learn... Right? <laughs> If people want to learn more about Lefting the Goons, you have a website, I believe, correct? And maybe even a Facebook page for that? I do, yeah. Leftingandthegoons.com. Excellent. Um, and I apologize in advance. I'm the one that manages it, and it's not always up to date, but I, I'm, I'm trying to put some stuff in there. But uh, yes, that's us. Well, you just recently retired after a long career, and it's hard to... Listen, we're all busy, and that makes it even more difficult when you got the band, you got your speaking. And I'm gonna, something else I wanted to ask you about... You were in a documentary, correct? Angie, Tales of Determination. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, um, it tells the story of, I was diagnosed with breast cancer uh, in 2014. And uh, it tells the story of how that breast cancer diagnosis motivated me to ride a motorcycle. Um, And it's, uh, I loved motorcycles from the time I was a kid. And my sister was dating a guy when I was a little girl that, that he rode a motorcycle. And when I was about five, he took me for a ride and just around the block. So I was happy and mad at the same time because I really liked it. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, I used to try and watch motorcycle racing and I got a, a moped when I was a teenager. I don't know, my mom never wanted me to get hurt, but she agreed to get me a moped. So I don't know, <laughs> not exactly, <laughs> but I'm telling you, I look cool. I had leather pants. I had the leather jacket with the fringes and a helmet, full face shield, you know, and it was slightly modified so I could throttle with the left hand. Um, but eventually it wasn't a motorcycle. <laughs> Right. And, and I, I, I did want to buy a motorcycle and I talked to a fellow about 1980 in a, in a, in a store and um, everything was going really well until I said, well, you're going to have to modify it. And how are you going to modify it for me? And we can't modify that inch, but you can have a scooter. You do a scooter. So again, it was, you know, all the emotions that I shared earlier, mad, frustrated and all this, you know, now I'm trying to make him feel good. And I'm in my head, I don't care about a scooter. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I said, fine, I'll let him show me the scooter and everything. But I always promised myself that one day, one day, one day, one day. And um, 
one day kind of gets away from you. You know, time goes by very quickly. And when we had the ACDC trip ban, part of the charity stuff we did was at motorcycle events. So that reawakened my passion for riding, but it was still one day, one day. Uh, and then when I got the diagnosis, because I said, there's always a positive. Yeah. It, you know, um, I promised myself if, if I get out of this and I live, I am going to ride a motorcycle. And uh, so the first thing I did was get my hubby to get one. Right. I said, Lloyd, you got to get a motorcycle, get your license, hurry up, learn how to do it and get me on the back fast, fast, fast. Right. And he did. And it was, it was a great experience, but one day he was at work and the bikes in the garage and can't doesn't exist in my vocabulary. And, uh, I thought I can't ride it. So what are we going to do about this? So I started surfing about modifications for motorcycles. Uh, and I'm, you know, in Ontario and Canada, everything I found was in the States everything i couldn't find anything in 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 canada and that's why i made the movie was to try and inspire not just canadians but other people that yes there are ways and there's things that you can do mm -hmm. to ride and uh, i started riding uh 2017 and i've been riding ever since well i want to talk about that I, and we had a little pre-conversation that i may understand how you how you ride to a certain extent since we're <laughs> kindred spirits we both missing the right hand but let, let's talk about a motorcycle. So you have the, uh, on the left side, you have the clutch. And on the right side, you have the throttle and the front brake. So the right side is a pretty important, obviously, you're not going anywhere without the throttle. And the front braking is, is more important than the rear braking. So what kind of, what kind of changes needed to happen for you to be able to ride a motorcycle? Yeah. Um, and that too is in, is in the movie. So we really get into that, right? It, it, it's, uh, my first bike was a Honda Rebel 300. <laughs> and my second one was a shadow. Um, and what they did with the mods that they did for the first two were the same uh, because you're like, you're saying the clutch is on the left side. So they installed kind of like a, it's similar to a, a recluse clutch. Um, it's an auto clutch. So what it does, yeah. it, it engages the engine based on RPMs. Yep. So um, I would still shift, but I didn't need a clutch lever to do that. Okay. Throttle was moved to the left-hand side uh, as was the front brake lever. Okay. Um, so the throttle in the beginning, it was like a finger throttle. So this fellow Todd, uh, used to own a shop called motorcycle enhancements in Angus, Ontario. And he, he got this thing that he rigged up and it was like a finger throttle. So I would use my finger to make the bike go, um, uh, and still shift it with the, the shadow. There's a lot of torque on a shadow. Um, so we, we changed that to like a thumb throttle, similar to what's on an ATV. Yep. Okay. Um, and the it didn't it didn't like that that clutch that i had the, the auto clutch for lack of a better word it didn't like it at all uh, i had to service that thing every year it was very expensive yeah. so i went down to a store in north Tonawanda called bob weaver motorsports which is just outside of buffalo um, because i couldn't find the bike i wanted in canada and it's a it's a honda it's a ctx dual clutch so it's dct it's the technology that honda has so it, you can ride it as an automatic you don't need yeah. a clutch you don't need a clutch lever. You don't need to shift. Um, yes. So, and the mods were 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 much less. Uh, so the front brake was moved to the left hand side. Yep. Throttle was still a thumb throttle, but I since shift I, I changed it actually to a a, a twist throttle because it's mm -hmm. cable. So we can still do the twist throttle. So it's it 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 works the same as it would on the right side, but it's on the left hand side. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's great. So when you're saying the twist throttle on the left, I remember because uh, I, I used to ride mini bikes with centrifugal clutches. Right. And I mean, we're going back. And when we'd always switch over the throttle, the throttle would be the opposite. So instead of pulling back on the uh, yeah. throttle, I'd have to go forward. Is that the oh. way yours works or does it go no, back? No, they actually they change that good. The Honda shop that, that I went to in, in Milton, Milton Power Sports, they actually 
did it so it's the right way. And I'm nice. in a riding club. I'm actually a second officer in the Southern Cruisers Riding Club uh, for the 680 Oakville chapter. And uh, shout out to I, them. That's great. Yeah, I, they're awesome. They're awesome. And my my first officer, Bill, he actually said, "Ange, you don't want to get it backwards because God forbid you get hit." Yeah. You get hit, you're gonna go. And yep. it just like, what are you talking about? But you're 100 right, and all about safety. And so, yeah. So mine goes the way. The, 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 That's good. That's fantastic. Yeah. All that. Thank you for sharing that. I was uh, curious about that. I know I asked you before we actually started recording, but I didn't want to hear the answer until we actually got on <laughs> because it, it, it's such an interesting thing. What is something that you'd like people to understand about living life with limb difference? Um, don't judge. I, you know, one of the things as an inspirational speaker, I, I have a t-shirt and it says, don't judge me and um, don't judge, don't judge anybody actually, but don't assume that just because someone has a limb difference that they are unable to do certain things or they should be treated differently. Or and I'll give an example. I mean, I used to go to a gym and uh, one of the things that I would do is on my left arm, I would put on, uh, everything's a thing these days. I can't remember anything. Anymore, but, <laughs> put this thing yeah you put a thing on your arm to hold the phone so i could listen oh. to my music right like a strap so, or something yeah, yeah exactly so it, it and it had velcro and 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 so one day i'm putting it on in the locker room before i go out to work out and i'm using i use my teeth a lot so i'm using my teeth to pull yeah. it tightly and this woman comes up to me and i know she meant well i i always tell myself everybody means well and she, she goes oh let me help you with that and I was saying, no, 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 it's okay. I, I'm, I'm good. No, no, no. I'm, there's someone in my family. They're exactly like you. Please let me help you. And as they're do, she's reaching out, and Ooh. in my head, I'm Ooh. saying things that I will not say now. But yes. in my head, so I, I mean, I just looked at her and I said, very nicely, I appreciate your offer, but I'm fine. Thank you very much. And I just walked away. And, and that's something like that that drives me nuts. Right? Don't assume. I mean, just like anybody else. You know, here's, and I'll give you, but this is my cuckoo head now. My husband, no. who I've been for 40 years, He's a gentleman and we go grocery shopping. So we put the bags in the car. Now we're home. We're going to take the bags out. He's taking all the heavy bags. So instead of saying, thank you, I'm giving him, you know, crap because I'm saying, Lloyd, I can do it. You know, remember we've been together for 40 years. I can do it. I can lift the bags. And he said, well, can I just, you know, I'm, I know he's just trying to be a gentleman, but it's just, it's in me. You know, it, it's funny. And sometimes I just have to learn to just, someone's just trying to help you to be kind. You know? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but as you were telling that story, I was getting fired up. Uh, the Jim story, not not your husband's story. Please tell <laughs> Lloyd I think nothing but great things to him. But I was getting fired up because I, I had a recent ep- My daughter just turned 27. We went to a nice restaurant, and I ordered my steak. I ordered fillets, just, and because they're easy to cut. Now I I, I can use a I, I can use a knife and a fork. Uh, but the waitress comes over to me, you know, in front of my family. Would you like us to cut the meat for you? <laughs> I've done that. Yeah. No, I'm no, and you're certainly not going to eat it for me. So no, we're, we're good. Okay, <laughs> we, we're we're good here. And to your point, I know she meant well, and I don't make a scene in that kind of thing. But sure. yeah, I, I guess what really fired me up about your story was you, you said your answer. It was a very respectful and and great way to say, articulate way to say it. You don't that person didn't need to go back to the well and go no no no. Hey, listen, I have a somebody in my family because. You know what? I'm not sure if they're doing their family member any justice by doing everything for them. That's the way I look at it. I don't know what you feel. I I agree, and I mean, again, I I I've never felt I've seen myself as different. What makes me feel different are other people. Yeah. And 
and to this day, I still get, I, we all know the look. Oh. And I don't mind that you're going to walk by and you, yeah. you just do a look. We look at people. We all look at people. Yeah. We, we look, yeah. we, you know, but don't. And, and and I mean, again, I, I should learn at this age, shut up. But Lloyd knows sometimes I'll just go, do you want to take a picture? Do you yeah. want to take a picture? Do you want to take a picture? Like, you know, we'll walk somewhere and, and I'll, I'll turn us five bucks. Five bucks, you'll never get anything like this again. You want to take a picture? <laughs> I just learned no. something. Go and raise five bucks. I'm, I'm, thank you. <laughs> it, it, it's just that that still just drives me nuts. And I know there's a lot of programs out there now. And, and all of a sudden, you know, all the commercials are featuring people and all that stuff. And to be honest with you, that kind of drives me crazy, too, because we've always been there. And, yeah. and a lot of it's just because it's marketing and, and good. I mean, there is good to it. Maybe it gets more visibility and everything else. But um, I, I also say, you know, there's going to be times when you're going to be in a situation, there's no programs or anything to help you. So you, you really have to be comfortable in your own skin. And, and I, I sometimes say there's nothing wrong with telling people just to take a hike when they, you don't feel comfortable, it, it, you know, but I really try to promote that don't judge me. Don't judge anybody. Um, and, and I try to live my life by the mantra, why discourage when you can encourage? Oh, I love that. That's very good. You know, one thing that you were, as you were talking, uh, I, like if I look at myself in the mirror, I see the mirror image of Mike. And I'm so used to it. I mean, you know, going on almost 60 years of, of looking at me like this. But when I see myself in a picture, like the mirror, that's where I go, Wow, I got one hand. I, I think people must notice that. They, they got to notice that. You ever, you ever, has that ever happened to you? It's like, well, oh, yeah. yeah. I've told my friends off because I'll say one arm. They, they refer to me as one arm. And I'm even, even, you know, some close friends of mine, they'll still say, well, Yanch, I don't know how you, you know, you're riding with one arm. I said, cause I don't have one arm. I said, do you not, <laughs> I don't know what you see or yeah. what, you know, and, and, but again, I, I try and make light of it and make jokes about it and all that stuff, but you're right. I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll look at a picture of myself. Yeah. And, and I'll say, like, wow, that's me. Like, <laughs> people have to notice that. that. No wonder <laughs> people are like notice, but, and it's kind of a funny thing. And it is a fleeting thing, just like anything else. What, what I really like about what you're talking about is we're human. All of us feel this way about ourselves. It's not just about limb difference people. We all feel things about ourselves. That's really what I like about your message. And speaking about your message, there's two things I want to talk about. First of all, you're a speaker. But second of all, you have a website. I want to make sure that we, we get that website out there so people know how to get a hold of you. Well, my, my website for my speaking is uh, justriden.com. So not with a G, just riding.com. And, and originally it was going to be more motorcycle focused. But then I, I, I said, you know what? We're all just riding through life. Yeah. Okay. So it's just riding.com and, and, and I, I, I try and share a bit about myself, but yeah, I do inspirational speaking and um, it's funny. Uh, some people say, and you got so much to talk about, you know, but you got to focus on one thing. So I try to cater to, you know, the clientele that I, sure. I speak to, for example, I mean, I'm going through some things now. I mean, being a senior, you know, uh, now I'm being looked at, you're too old. You're too old. You you shouldn't be wearing that. You're too old to do this. You're too old to do that. You you know. And okay, let, let me let me help you. Uh, I, the, the, this this fellow that I know, he told a story once. He said, uh, I think somebody uh, saw you in a in a guitar store one day. And I said, Why? And he said, Because they described. He says, I'm going to say it. <laughs> they said they saw some old woman with one hand playing guitar. And I said, Yeah, okay, that was me. But I'm not an old woman. How old are they? <laughs> exactly. That's so. so I, Try through speaking to demonstrate things that, you know, I, I, yeah, I share my story, but also it all comes down to judging people again based on appearance. So it's, yeah. it's right. And so thank you very much for allowing me to share that. 
Absolutely. And you did bring up the documentary and I, I wanted to find out where people can even see that and learn more about that because it, you were saying that it goes through the process of the motorcycle. So I want to make sure that's out there. Yeah. Um, I have that. I, I, I actually had it in a lot of festivals and, and film festivals and it, it won a bunch of awards, a 32 minute documentary. And if you do get it, you got to watch it right till the end. Absolutely. Okay. There's a cliffhanger. Um, yeah. But it's for sale at my website on just okay. riding as is my book. I have a book as well called From Chemo to Throttle, and that focuses more on the whole story. And, and you also uh, have the t-shirts that you described earlier, yeah. much more than just the one you said. So there's a yeah. lot of information available. You have a blog, you have some news, yeah. way to contact you. So yeah, definitely, if anyone is interested, which they should be, because like I said, getting to know you in the short amount of time we've had today, I feel like I've known you my whole life. You're, I can't imagine no one, anyone not liking you is the way I should say it. <laughs> You're, you're, well, if you ever watched Jerry Seinfeld, there was a portion in that show where they were talking about Jerry's mother saying, not like yes. you. Yes. Not like you. Yes. You actually had a Jerryism a little earlier. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with it when you're talking yeah, about right? uh, scooters. You, you had a little bit yeah, of Jerry Not that there's anything wrong with it. And yada, 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 I got a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe they're actually doing commercials now with, with Jason Alexander right? and the yada, yeah, yada. Just, it's like, why is that character doing that? But, you know, whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a Seinfeld episode, you and I, right? a little later. So what's next for you now as you look forward? What are you, what are you look, working on? What are you looking forward to? Well, I, I retired, like you were saying, in February of, of 2023. And um, I, <laughs> you know, you're always waiting for that day where you could just put your feet up and do nothing. And then that day comes and I can't do it because I like to be busy. So I'm really trying to ramp up the speaking because I think Great. that's really important. And I, I think especially with everything going on today, I think the social media that's, that's a lot harder, I think, to deal with than what we had to deal with, I think, when we were kids. Um, you know, everything's out there and everybody's judging everybody. Um, so I, I really would like to ramp up the speaking. Uh, that's that's really important. And um, my husband's getting a t-shirt business going, so I'm helping him with that. And Excellent. really starting with the inspirational shirts and, and, and then all his designs that he's doing. That's kookscustom.com. <laughs> yeah, great. Kookscustom.com. Kookscustom.com. He's Mr. Kook. And I'm Mrs. Kook. Um, but uh, the other stuff is uh, I, I actually want to get a, a podcast going as well from a Canadian perspective and, and, and hear people's stories. And I've met so many people and everybody's got a story to tell. They do. Right. And um, it's just so easy to focus on negative. Right. And it, it's just all about let's get some positive energy out there. And um, and I, I think just from if, if, if I can help one person, I, it just it makes me feel so, so good. Uh, so <clears throat> that's what I'm, I'm doing now. And I'm also thinking about writing another book more on the perspective of now getting older and how you deal with that, with everything else that's thrown your way, because now I'm starting to hear, what do you mean you have osteo? You shouldn't be skating. You're going to hurt yourself. No, I'm skating. <laughs> <laughs> and riding. And riding and no gravel though. No gravel. <laughs> and and yeah. So that's well, what I was going to say, and still the band. You still have the band. We'll have the band. Yeah, we still have the band and um, do a lot of charity gigs and things like that as well. So we'll see what's in play next year. So it's, it's so much to plan. Yeah. There's, there's really, you know, like, again, time goes by a blink of an eye. So it's just yes, making it sure I have time for everything and enjoy everything you do. Everything, you know, because I'll tell you something. Um, that breast cancer diagnosis that I had in 2014, that really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Yeah. And um again right you get diagnosed with cancer and the first thing i remember even my neighbor saying to me is i knew someone that had that and they died right yeah. 
And I thought, again, they don't mean anything. Sometimes people just don't know what to say. I mean, in my, I, I, when I was working corporate at the time I had, a, and I was very transparent, very open. I, I was always open. And my HR director, I remember she said to me, oh, you know, it's okay. You're going to be okay. Your color's good. And uh, you know what? They're just going to cut it off and, and your husband will still love you. Now you can say, whoa, that was terrible what she said. But I think she saw me as a strong woman. And I think in her way, that was something to make me feel stronger. I always, again, I always believe that people don't intentionally try and hurt. Sometimes you just don't know what to say. So that's my other message is sometimes I think even me, you just got to chill sometimes and process it and maybe not go on the, you know, attack mode right away. But truly sometimes, like I didn't know what to say until I got diagnosed with cancer, right? I didn't, you'd always say, oh, I hope you feel better was, you know, but you learn, that's what life is all about. You learn and how can you apply those things that you learn and help people and help yourself? Well, you said something earlier if I get to help one person and I, I believe that you've already helped more people than you understand. And as a matter of fact, let's tell this story because you said, Hey, I hope we get to be able to tell this story. And this is about, you were riding a motorcycle. You went to a rest stop and I'll let you finish that story. Thanks. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think we were in New York state. Um, but we, uh, we pulled in to have a rest and, um, so when I ride, I mean, I'm always geared up. So I have an armored jacket and, and uh, my gloves. Well, I wear a sock on the, on the right side to keep my hand warm because glove just doesn't stay on. Um, so I was with my husband. We're taking off the helmets and the jacket and the sock and the gloves. And all of a sudden I hear a little honk and, and I turn around and there's this car. And I see this woman and she rolls down her window and rolls down the window in the back. And she goes, hey, hey and getting my attention I look and I see a young boy in the back seat I mean seven eight years old and he's sitting there and he lifts his arm and if I remember correctly it was his right arm too and he had a limb difference and he's pointing at it and he's smiling and then I point at mine and I'm smiling and we had this like instant connection and uh and and she says you know he wants to ride a motorcycle and 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 he sees you and he had this big smile he was beaming and I really wish I could have had the chance to talk to him but I guess she had places to go and stuff and you know I just made this shape of a heart uh and I I guess I I did some good for him with his smile but he inspired me too and and every time I'm having a dark moment or a dark day because we all have them I think of the children and I, I I think of him and uh that smile that beautiful smile um there's inspiration everywhere you know but I do know but you definitely, there's one person that you certainly inspired. I'm sure there's many others that you don't know, but also many more to come. Thank you so much for being a guest on the We're Not Stone podcast. I think we can continue to go. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask you right now. I'd love to have you back on the podcast because there, oh. there, maybe we can do a compare and contrast of, of our stories. Sure. Your, your, story, your story is just so fantastic. And I, I just can't thank you enough for being a guest today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And it's a pleasure to meet you. And I look forward to all the things we're going to do in the future. That was the We're Not Stump podcast hosted by Mike Bowler. If you want to be a guest on the program, reach out to Mike at his email address, mike at mikebowler.com. This podcast is produced by One Hand Man Productions. If you are looking to start your podcast, go to onehandmanproductions.com.